0: Hi, I'm Gary Ryan and this is the Moving Beyond Being Good podcast. In this episode, I share the introduction to my new book, Disruption Leadership Matters, Lessons for Leaders from the Pandemic. Early in 2007, I established my company and called it Organizations That Matter. For me, Organizations That Matter are those organizations that understand that the people working in their organizations are human beings, not human resources. A fair day's pay for a fair day's work where people could go home and do whatever else they wanted to do free from concerns about work always seemed to make sense to me. After all, people who can come home free from worries about work are more likely to have happier homes and people who live in happier homes are more likely to be better contributors to their community. Call it an algorithm, if you will but it is a formula that can work for the good of all. In 1995, I was introduced to Robert K. Greenleaf's work on servant leadership. As the ninth child in a family of 11 children, I am also a twin. The concept and practices of servant leadership resonated with me. Servant leadership matched my experiences of my upbringing. My parents, Eddie and Olga Ryan, were true servant leaders. I had the good fortune of meeting Jack Lowe at the first Servant Leadership Conference in Australia in October 1999, and Jack became my mentor for many years. Jack was CEO of TD Industries, a company in the early years of an uninterrupted 20-year reign as one of the Fortune 100 best employers in the USA. In late 2000, I watched a video of a speech by D. Hock, CEO Emeritus of Visa International, given at the 2000 Greenleaf Centre for Servant Leadership 10th Annual Conference. Jack introduced Dee to the audience, as Dee was a practitioner of servant leadership after being introduced to Robert Greenleaf's work in 1971. Among the many profound statements in Dee's speech, one struck a chord with me. It seemed to resonate with my DNA. Quote, People are not things to be manipulated, labelled, boxed, bought and sold. Above all else, they are not human resources. They are entire human beings containing the whole of the evolving universe, limitless until we start limiting them. We must examine the concept of leading and following with new eyes. We must examine the concept of superior and subordinate with increasing skepticism. We must examine the concept of management and labor with new beliefs. And we must examine the nature of organizations that demand such distinctions with an entirely different consciousness. It is true leadership leadership by everyone, leadership in, up, around, and down this world so badly needs and dominator management it so sadly gets. Quote. D, the founder of the world's most successful financial institution, said that human beings are not human resources. I commenced a graduate diploma in human resource management in July 1999 and studied part-time via distance education because I worked full-time. I had expected that the course would be about people. People were constantly referenced as resources and subordinates or assets and capital. I struggled with what I had been learning because it seemed at odds with my core beliefs and values. But I could not describe my struggle. I could not explain it and put it into words. Then, listening to Dee, the words I had struggled to find to describe my challenges with the course exploded from the screen. At its essence, I did not believe that people were resources. What a profound insight. This is what I do not like about the course. People are not resources. Despite my dissonance, I struggled through and completed the degree in 2003. I needed the qualification for my career. Fortunately, my master of management was a completely different experience. I am forever grateful to the fantastic team of academics from Monash University and Swinburne University who delivered such a life changing course. When I formed my company in early 2007, I wanted organisations that mattered to make a difference. I wanted to help leaders treat the people in the organisations as human beings. The research was overwhelming. If people can fully use their talents in the service of their organization, and ultimately their clients, customers, and stakeholders, they are more engaged. More engaged people give more discretionary effort, which is great for productivity. Treating people as human beings is great for the bottom line. Yet, my experience was that very few leaders treated people as human beings. Instead, they treated them as resources, capital, or assets. They could be manipulated, coerced, labelled, boxed and figuratively bought or sold or worse, thrown out with the garbage. There is another, more profound benefit to treating people as human beings when they are at work. They go home less stressed and the issues they face at work are less likely to intrude on their personal life. They have the right not to have work negatively affect their home life. When their work creates less stress, they can be more present at home and have better family lives. Better family or home lives lead to better communities and everyone benefits. Leadership is a heavy burden, but the rewards can be exponential, as can be the downside to poor leadership. Since 2007, I've worked with many terrific leaders and organisations, Some have been on the journey of transitioning from seeing people as resources to seeing them as human beings. This transition is not easy. A rearguard reaction inevitably occurs and the industrial age views that people are resources kicks in stronger than ever. Despite this, my passion for helping organisations be great for followers, leaders and the organisations themselves has never waned. The late Robert Akov, Professor Emeritus of the Wharton Business School, said it best. Quote, Ages don't stop and start. One fades in while the other fades away. End quote. Each time a rearguard industrial age response has occurred in the shift to seeing people as human beings, I've regarded it as a consequence of fading ages. It is never a smooth process and is likely to exceed my lifetime. Then, Seemingly out of nowhere, the COVID-19 pandemic explodes across the world. The economic impact was bound to surface what leaders in governments and organisations really think about the people they lead. Given the propensity of the virus to kill older people, I was amazed at how many conversations were taking place that included an, quote, acceptable death toll so long as we can keep the economy going, end quote. Huge numbers of staff were stood down within a matter of days of isolation measures commencing. There were few conversations about how to best engage with employees to work out a sustainable financial solution. Instead, people were consigned to the financial scrap heap, left to fend for themselves, despite the virus being no fault of their own. I appreciate that no one asked for the pandemic and very few saw it coming. I understand that we all exist within an economic reality and numbers do matter. But here we were, treating human beings as if they were numbers. Nothing more, nothing less. Maybe, just maybe, the pandemic could provide the disruption that leaders need to reconsider how they lead. What if the pandemic was the catalyst for reflection that helped leaders see, for the first time, the pre-existing flaws in their leadership and thinking to which they were blind? What if leaders within the HR industry paused to reflect on what the acronym HR actually means? What if they chose to change the name to something more people focused as a result of that reflection? What if the people with HR in their title decided to have a conversation about the name of their role? I witnessed leaders taking actions that they seemed to dislike but were compelled to do because that is what a leader must do. These leaders appeared helplessly trapped in a failing 20th century mindset, yet they could not see any other way of being a leader. Indeed, There must exist other examples where leaders had shown that human beings do matter. Despite the harsh reality of the numbers, a genuinely humanistic version of leadership was likely occurring while other leaders defaulted to the humans as resources view of the world. What if I found and shared examples that showed that leaders could care for the people and manage the numbers simultaneously? What if the lessons better prepare organisations for the down times when applied during the good times? After all, Bob Chapman, CEO of Barry Waymiller, a company with a US $3 billion turnover and employs 12,000 staff across the world, says, quote, economies do not follow a straight line. They go up and down. It is my responsibility to build a business model that can sustain the downs, end quote. Therefore, I wanted to write this book. I wanted to provide leaders with an opportunity to see the world through a different set of eyes. While enormous pain has been inflicted upon economies, and I wish it had not occurred, what if there was a resource that could help leaders become true leaders of human beings? What if this disruption could have a positive outcome? What if the disruption could increase the speed at which we move away from industrial age thinking and behaving? What if there was a resource that could show you how to lead in the 21st century? So, I started writing. Literally, on that same day, I saw a LinkedIn post from one of my peers, Marie Harris, PhD. Quote, The worst thing we ever did in corporate America and Australia was to take the most vital part of any company, the people powering it, and label it so dismissively as human resources. Such an important comment to be made by Adriana Stan and Tom Goodwin in this World Economic Forum article on where HR is at and where it needs to be. We all mouth those words, quote, our people are our greatest assets, end quote, but they are too often treated as mere resources and when people are treated like that, they tend to become an organization's greatest liability, end quote. Marie and I had met at a facilitator workshop organised by Ian Berry in 2010. We struck up a friendship and have remained in contact over the past 11 years. Marie's post was the confirmation I needed. Write the book. I live with my wife and five children in Melbourne, Australia. Between 2020 and 2021, Melbourne has been one of the most locked down cities in the world. I've written the manuscript during this period and as of September 2021, when the final drafter is about to be sent to the editor, we continue to be in lockdown. I'm incredibly proud of Michelle and our five children, Liam, Sienna, Callum, Aidan and Darcy. We've been fortunate that COVID-19 is yet to enter our humble home. While comfortable, not all children have a bedroom to themselves. One of our children, Callum, is an elite dancer and the family agreed for him to use the living area for his classes, despite this area being the heart of the house. Our children have remained responsible for their learning from tertiary level to primary school. Michelle has been extraordinary with her work, set up in our walk-in robe in our bedroom. I have continued to run the business which was negatively impacted by the first lockdown in 2020. I am forever grateful to my clients, many of whom I've worked with over multiple years, for their loyalty and support during these difficult times. Together we have experienced too many lockdown birthdays to count, non-COVID medical issues and surgery, brief moments of relief and excitement from the removal of restrictions, opportunities where we escape from the city to spread our wings in the countryside, to our fair share of dark moments and many, many conversations about controlling what we can and letting go as best we can what we can't. Our daughter, Sienna, turned 18 and completed her Year 12 education in 2020 and commenced her university degree this year. We were fortunate to have a party for our elder son, Liam, for his 21st birthday, albeit with restrictions on the number of guests. Both Michelle and I share responsibilities with our siblings for our elderly mothers. From a leadership perspective, the most crucial test of our leadership has been with our family. I can promise that everything Michelle and I have learned over the years has been drawn upon to help us navigate this most extraordinary experience. Like your life, the pandemic has significantly impacted every aspect of our lives. I understand we are not unique, but we have certainly had our unique experience of the pandemic. We dream of regaining our freedoms and of the day when the pandemic is a memory. No doubt you do too. Please remain safe and healthy and I hope you enjoy the book. The book is due to be released in early December 2021. I look forward to sharing it with you. You can find out more at www.orgsthatmatter.com That's O-R-G-S-T-H-A-T-M-A-T-T-E-R Once again, I'm Gary Ryan and I help talented professionals, their teams and organizations move beyond being good. I look forward to working with you next time.